Georgia's DBHDD has an urgent health warning. One of every 10 counterfeit pills contain fentanyl, a powerful and very deadly drug. Pills from friends or dealers are unsafe, and one pill can cause an overdose. More info at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Thanks for joining us for today. It is day 40 of the Georgia legislative session. We're probably some 10 hours away from what they call sine die down here. Um, we're going to be spending the hour with a variety of people, members of the legislature, who are going to stop in and out while we're here. Uh, we've got uh, Senator Jen Jordan with us uh, now. Greg Bluestein, uh, AJC political reporter who's been covering this session throughout the last uh, 39 plus days. And uh, Todd Ream, uh, georgiapundit.com, a Republican consultant uh, as well, is with us right now as well. Hey, everybody, welcome. Uh, how many signing dies have you been part of? This now? is 15, I think. Yeah, you started that with the Associated Press, you right? Got it. And, and, and the went, Daily Report before oh, that. Oh, and the actually. Daily Report. Todd, how about you? I, I think it's either 17 or 18, depending on how you count them. All right. All right. Jen, are you guys uh, convinced you're going to end up going till midnight tonight? God, I hope not. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. We know over the years, I covered maybe for 20 years, everybody always says, well, no, they're going to get out early. They've pretty well made a deal to be out of here by 8 o'clock. It never quite happens that way. That's the talk in the halls. People were saying 9, 9.30. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm betting 12.30 a.m. <laughs> All right. Um, Let's start, uh, because Senator Jordan uh, was uh, here from the very beginning. Senator, you have had, I, I think it's safe to say from a public point of view, this has been a big session for you, and a lot of it has had to do with your passionate uh, opposition to 481, which we know now the governor is going to sign into law, the heartbeat abortion uh, bill. How has that colored the entire session from your point of view? You know, I think it was very surprising. Um, I think we thought that this session was going to be boring in the sense that, you know, we have a new lieutenant governor, we have a new governor, um, and it was almost supposed to be a get-to-know-you session and let's just get the budget done. Um, to be quite frank, I'm surprised at a lot of the legislation that's been pushed, whether it's the voucher bill, uh, 481 and the like, that, that tends to be so partisan or so controversial. Um, it just seems like a lot of political capital to spend for a brand new administration. Todd? What's been interesting to me is we're seeing two different uh, sides of the Republican Party talking about this. One is the, uh, the folks who believe that the mistakes the Republican Party have made over the last couple of cycles have been not going hard enough to the right, um, and they seem to be in the driver's chair of this particular legislation. And then there are the folks who are terrified of suburban voters, um, and it's really going to be a good test case to see uh, how the suburban demographics, how the ideology shakes out in the northern uh, arc of suburbs in 2020. I think, Greg, I think it's interesting to hear Todd say that. Uh, because I think I'm correct, and I might not be, that a lot of his, when he works 
with candidates, many of them are from that part of uh, Georgia, the northern arc part Particularly of Gwinnett County, right? Yeah, Gwinnett right, yeah, County particularly Gwinnett County, and that's where I grew up. Yeah. And yeah. that's also the area that Democrats have drawn a big target around because there's still some seats to, to, that they think they can gain in the next year's elections from Gwinnett County, from North Fulton County, from parts of Cobb County in particular, to take back uh, perhaps the House and maybe gain a seat or two in the Senate. And that's what a lot of this legislation has centered on, especially when it, when it comes to the heartbeat bill. You know, Senator, we, we had uh, the governor's press secretary came in and did the show yesterday, and it was great to have him on. Um, one of the questions I asked him, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is that there were a number of things that the governor in his first session accomplished that might have allowed him to come out of this year saying he did some things that were showed him to be more moderate than people thought he was going to be given uh, the way he campaigned. Uh, the ra teacher's raise went through. He promised that. He got $3,000 of that. Uh, he has said he'll look at some Medicaid expansion, maybe not as much as people want. But the point is there were things that he advanced that might have been acceptable across uh, partisan lines, but 481 really puts him firmly in the most conservative camp, and it plays directly to his base. Well, the, the problem is, in terms of what you're talking about, it makes it look like his administration, or at least his legislative priorities, is there, it, it's incoherent in the sense that, so you're pushing some moderate things on this side. For example, the teacher raises, right? Yeah. We love that. But then on this side, you're talking about basically defunding public education with the voucher bill. I mean, I just can't really kind of put that together. And then when we talk about the suburban voters, let's talk about what it really means. That's a euphemism for women. I mean, women in the Atlanta metro area, but also women throughout the state. I mean, so, so doing this kind of thing where it's clearly, at least from my perspective, kind of an anti-woman, anti-reproductive health kind of stance, I mean, he's just going to push those voters further away from them. Well, and if also, if you're Governor Kemp and you were looking at a session where you paved a path to a limited Medicaid expansion, you perhaps could sign a medical marijuana expansion to law um, where you didn't expand gun rights, where you didn't um, crack down on illegal immigration, where you, where you didn't do some of these promises you made at the campaign trail. If he came out of the session without any sort of, um, you know, uh, uh, olive branch to the conservative base, he would have gotten a lot of heat for that, too. Yeah, well, he picked about the biggest, the biggest olive branch you could pick. Well, and I think what Greg said is is absolutely accurate. I think that this is a, a politician who's dancing with the folks who brought him, um, to, to use Reagan's term. And there was a, there were points at which he made promises that were aimed at one particular group. Teachers were much more enthusiastic about the teacher uh, raise, as well as some of the suburban parents, some of the public school parents. But that didn't do anything for his conservative base, which is what really got him through the primary uh, with Casey Cagle. And he really needed to show them that he was still with them. But, but with respect to dancing with the people who brought you, I mean, really at issue for him is being able to stay at the dance. And, um, you know, governing in this style, I mean, A, it's not going to do anything in terms of um, the legislative body that he needs to push for in terms of um, you know his agenda in the next three years, and then significantly, I mean, you know, I think this is really him, you know, putting himself with a big target on his back in four years. So, um, 
while we have you here, and I, I know this is a busy day, and, and so you're going to have to go move on in a short time, but, but Senator, what are some of the things that you come away from the session feeling that you've accomplished that are things that have been done that you believe are in the best interest of the people of Georgia? Are there measures you're happy of, are, are getting through the session? I mean, to be quite frank, having a balanced budget is always a priority. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I think that we as a state are incredibly proud of. I am proud that we are going to give teachers a raise, but there's so much more, and then also funding for QBE. Um, but there's so much more that we should and could have done. Um, but the problem is it really has felt like a little bit like a headless horseman. There hasn't been much leadership. And then with respect to the leadership we've had, again, kind of getting the incoherent messaging and you know, I'm not sure what the legislative priorities are. I'm not sure exactly how, what kind of leader we're talking about the governor is. And um, right now, after 481, I mean, not not looking too good from my perspective. All right, let me ask you all, and while we've got, got you here still, Senator, a couple, about a couple of things. We've mentioned medical marijuana. That is still in play. Uh, I think, Greg, I'm right that the difference between the House, the biggest difference between the House and Senate version is that the Senate wanted to cut the number of dispensaries and the number of producers, uh, and that's still got to be resolved in a conference committee, committee, yes? It looks like there's room, there, there's, been, there's been developments on that front. It looks like they're moving towards a compromise, and um, I'm hearing that Governor Kemp also kind of brought the two sides to the table there to get something done, which means it's a good chance that he'll sign it if, if it passes both chambers. One positive thing I do want to say is the dyslexia bill um, where we're going to start doing a pilot program to identify um, children who may be dyslexic. I think that's incredible in terms of this state, and I think it's just going to be a real game changer in terms of public education. Okay. Um, let, me, let, me, let me ask uh, 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 Todd, do you see the medical marijuana bill coming uh, back? And then I want to, before you leave, i got one last question for you, Senator. I, I think we've reached the point in Georgia where some form of distribution is uh, is going to be necessary. And it seems like the main difference between the two bodies is how large of an industry they're willing to tolerate in order to, to get there. And that really, at, at some level, is the kind of thing that you can resolve by picking a number somewhere in between yeah, yeah. Um, and to, in order to get something this year. and. I don't think I think there are fewer and fewer people who are opposed to the use of medicinal cannabis, um, but there is still a great deal of hesitance about creating an industry that can come back in two years or five years and ask for more. All right. We also mentioned the uh, uh, vouchers bill, the measure that would actually take state funds uh, from students in if they move from a public school to a private school and it would give them essentially a scholarship. That bill should be dead, but on the 40th day of a session, Greg, this is the sort of thing that has the possibility, at least, and I'm hearing from people in the hall, could very well come back at could the last minute. The zombie bill, it could be yeah. resurrected. Yeah. And uh, we've, we've had stories of bills literally with a stake through its heart that have come back to life <laughs> these last few hours, so anything can happen. Do you think it, it are you hearing that there are going to be not, efforts to bring it back? The, are are the, you, Todd, or Jen? Or, or Jen? Okay. It's my understanding it's not going to come back. And to be quite frank, I think that the uh, teachers have done such a good job that if it did come back, I think it would get beat again. Yeah, I mean, the teachers obviously want every penny going into public education, and they don't want it diverted right. to Right, if we can't schools. even do the full raise of 5000 
and now you're going to tell me we're going to take all those millions of dollars from from public education system? That just doesn't make sense. So um, let me, Senator, in, in letting you uh, uh, go back to your work for today, just uh, one last question. Um, where does Tell me about the fight on 481 as it moves to the courts. Uh, you're a lawyer. I don't think you're going to be involved in, in the, the uh, uh, legal action on this, but you certainly can tell us what you expect to happen once the governor signs the bill. You know, I would expect that there would be an immediate lawsuit filed in the federal court, that there would be an immediate move for, um, you know, an injunction to enjoin it from going into effect. I think that it would be absolutely granted. And then the whole point is they want to move it up the system up to the Supreme Court. And they're doing um, a very targeted um, approach in the sense that they're doing this in multiple legislators around the country. Because what they want is they want to put pressure on the Supreme Court to actually have to take these bills. Um, in 2015 or 2016, the court refused to take one of these fetal heartbeat bills. Um, but the whole idea from the activists, especially with Kavanaugh on the court now and with the looming retirement of Thomas, is to try to get there as quickly as possible. And if you have 10 state legislatures that have passed this and there are 10 different opinions coming out of the different circuit courts, they feel like this is their time to actually get Roe overturned. All right. We're going to watch how that unfolds. Uh, uh, Greg, the governor's uh, folks are now saying uh, there was some reporting that maybe he was going to sign this very quickly, but apparently that's not going to happen. He's going to take his time. Do you, and we asked this on the show yesterday, do you do this and make a big ceremony out of this, or do you try to do it quietly no, and just have it happen? My hunch is he'll make a big ceremony. Yeah. This is something he, he's he's proud of. Yeah. Um, I don't. It will not be this week. The big question is if it's next week, it's also the Masters Tournament, and it's when Georgia executives come into town uh, looking to locate businesses here. So do you want to do it right before then? Yeah, oh. I, w I would go so far as to say this might be something you'd make a road trip out of, uh, go down to South Georgia or someplace that really came in strong for him and where his conservative base is the strongest. And I might be thinking about where to sign it if I were in that position. Senator, so, the last word. So what I'm hearing is going to be after Masters because, you know, when folks come in in business, we got to act like we're not – you know, so crazy. <laughs> well, the last word on today's show uh, from me. Senator Jen Jordan. Thank you, Senator. We appreciate your uh, being with us. Todd, while we have you here, and uh, Jim Galloway has been uh, wandering the halls. He's got a column to put together for uh, tomorrow, but he's going to come in and join us. But Todd, if we can take a minute. Um, people who have listened to the show know that uh, you lost your wife to ALS uh, a year ago and in fact you have an this is an anniversary a sad anniversary for you because it was a year ago today but but the legislature is doing something very meaningful for you today it, it was a year ago today and it was not something that I that I originated but the ALS Association um, brought up the idea of there is a five-month waiting period for ALS patients to receive SSDI, Social Security Disability Insurance. It is insurance that you pay for if you're a taxpayer, and it's the kind of weight that we wouldn't accept if it were a private insurance company. But in I started talking about this as the legislation wound its way through. Uh, it passed the State House unanimously, which is almost unheard of these days. You always have one or two no votes on everything. Um, but but not a single no vote. 
and I started talking about the finance, the financial aspect of it, because it's it's a very expensive way to die. Uh, my wife required 24/7 care in in the last months, and we had great insurance. I have I have, I'm employed. We had done everything right to be ready for something like that, but it was still a major stress. And there are people out there with far less, uh, far fewer resources than we had, and it's just crushing families that wait. In my wife's case, that was 25% of the rest of her life, that we were waiting, that she felt she had to continue to go to work in order to be able to pay for everything. And, and so it's heartening to see uh, the House got behind it. I think the Senate is likely to take it up this afternoon um, in terms of urging Congress to do away with that five-month wait because the families dealing with ALS just can't afford that. All right. Well, um, I, I, we, we send our condolences on a very sad day, but it's really it, it's a tribute to the fact that Todd Ream is pretty well thought of down here, Greg, that they are uh, going to make this uh, bill happen. And I understand that in the Senate, this is not just going to be on the consent calendar, which would just mean here's a number of bills we need you to vote up or down on, but they're going to take a moment and actually present it on the floor. It is, and I'd be shocked if that also wasn't a unanimous vote. Yeah. All right. Jim Galloway is with us. Can you stay with us for a few more minutes? I'd be happy. Good. So, Galloway, what are you picking up as you wander the halls today? Well, I'm trying to write a column. Let's <laughs> do it five. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. What are you writing about? Well, you know, interesting here. Okay, you've had, uh, you've had some, uh, you've got, what, a, about 100 uh, Hollywood names now on a letter calling for a boycott of the Georgia film industry. Yeah, I understand uh, Alyssa Milano, the actor, was downstairs oh, uh, hanging out or, outside the governor's office. Yeah, we, or will be. Oh, will be later, oh, oh, okay. Later on the end. Uh, but here's the, here's the interesting, interesting thing. You haven't had one elected Democrat or even former elected or, or anybody running endorse the concept of a, of, a, uh, of a boycott of the Georgia film industry. And it's, there's, a, there's a reason for that. And the reason is, it's very much, uh, remember how we used to talk, we, we were, last year we were talking about uh, Plant Vogel and the, the 7,000 or so IBEW workers, union workers on the job there. Well, you've got, uh, you've got 5,000 members of the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees in Georgia, plus another 1,000 maybe Teamsters who are also dedicated to, to the film industry. Yeah. You, you, you endorse a boycott of the film industry, and you're, you're in, in endorsing joblessness among, uh, among union workers. Yeah. And, and they've seen what happens when, when companies or, or organizations get a little too political for the taste of the General Assembly. Tax breaks become questionable, uh, like Delta's been seeing over the last few weeks. We've got Governor Kemp's unequivocal endorsement of the film tax credit, but we've seen what, what Jim was talking about with Stacey Abrams kind of center stage in this because she's vocally called on corporate powers and and the film industry to object to the abortion uh, the anti-abortion bill but at the same time she's saying that this will not hurt the film industry in the long run because she's confident that it's diversified enough and is, and is healthy enough because she's she, she doesn't want sort of that on her on her agenda either yeah I mean you remember back uh, during right after the election when we were still in, in re recount mode and there were people calling for a boycott of, of, of Georgia, and Abrams was very quick to shut that down. 
All right, let's do this, Jim, because I know you've got limited time. What do you? Can you give us a preview of tomorrow, or are you still figuring out? Oh, that's the, I just gave you the preview. That was that's, it. That was that was that was my preview. All right. I, I've got look. You, I've got the I've got the business agent of Yahtzee, which is how you say that, uh, telling me that uh, that his local <laughs> local for, local 479 is taking no position on 481. All right. Uh, so before you have to leave us, tell me about what this session. What's the big, I mean, we, I assume 481 is the big story. But beyond that, first session for Brian Kemp uh, as governor, first session for the new lieutenant governor. Uh, we got a lot of new legislators elected for the first time. What's the overview, what this session has been for you? If I had to point to one thing, it, it is, to me, it's, it's the way that, it, it's the way that, that we've we watched uh, Brian Kemp Try to feel his way uh, uh, around the Capitol as as governor, and and uh, I'll point you back to yesterday's show uh, where we were talking about uh, the the airport takeover. Yeah, uh, it's generated a lot of heat, a lot of bad will here, which could have which which you know maybe a governor in a in a second or third year might have come out earlier and kind of laid down the ground rules for that debate. Uh, and that didn't happen. This yeah, year. we asked Cody Hall, the governor's press secretary. We both pressed him on that. What and he said, the, yeah, and yeah. he said, he, and, and, and Cody said that, uh, that, that the governor was deeply involved in private discussions. And that's not how you shut that, that that's not how you shut that argument down. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, well, and because he, they don't want to shut it down. I mean, if they wanted to shut it down, they would have. Um, the interesting thing is behind the scenes, um, he, he has not committed to Mayor Bottoms for even, to even veto that bill if it had gone through. Um, and they're doing that for a reason, right? Um, if they had wanted to, to nix it like, um, like Governor Deal did, um, he would have said it answering question. He would have made a public statement of that. They're perfectly okay with this, with this debate going forward. All right, let's do this. Let's get a break in and give Jim Galloway a chance to go back and work on this column of his with a 5 o'clock deadline. Uh, this is no, my you just got somebody. You, you've got somebody in line to replace me. That's, that's all this is. <laughs> well, you're welcome, and we'll find a way. They can sit on your lap. All right, let's do this. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back uh, with more of Political Rewind live today at the State Capitol. Welcome back to uh, Political Rewind. We're live here at the Georgia State Capitol on the 40th and final day of the session. Sine die, which that's Latin for what? Without day or something Without like day, that? but really it's Latin for unintended consequences. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Greg Bluestein is with us. Todd Reem is here. And we've just been joined by Representative Chuck Efstration. You, this session, uh, offered a measure that we talked a lot about on Political Rewind while you were all, all, all were down here uh, going through the, the session, and which has been long awaited by a, a great many advocates a hate crimes bill uh, that, and be, to be careful, people kept saying to us, oh, well, that's a violation of the First Amendment. Your bill was about an enhanced penalty after the resolution of a criminal case. A determination would be made that this was done as an act of hate of some sort, right? Well, that's right, Bill. As a former assistant district attorney, a felony prosecutor myself, I was familiar with there are certain criminal offenses where a certain individual is targeted because of the person's class. And in those cases, prosecutors need to have the ability to call those crimes what they are. And that's why I carried the hate crimes bill this year, passed the House, which was 
really a great achievement with protected classes included in the legislation. It's the first time legislation like that has passed the Georgia House. So really a, um, a great accomplishment this year. We talked, Greg, uh, as we were following this bill uh, through the House and then watching its fate in the Senate about the fact that back uh, around the you know early 2000, when was it, 2000, 2001, that the legislature had a general hate crimes bill? That's right. In 2000, the General Assembly had a, had a hate crimes bill. It was ultimately found to be unconstitutional in a case in 2004, and we've been without a hate crimes law on the books since then. And Greg, the, the Supreme Court ruled that it was too vague. It didn't have within it protected classes, so the Supreme Court said it doesn't work. And there have been efforts almost every year for a number of years to pass a bill that in fact did have protected classes, but what was the problem? Some by Democrats, some by Republicans. Yep. It didn't matter who brought it. It seemed to, to ground to a halt. But um, this year, there were the, one of the holdups was LGBTQ protections. Um, but this year, the House passed um, pretty pretty overwhelmingly with broad bipartisan support that measure with those LGBTQ protections um, in it. Um, yet it ground to a halt in the Senate. But there's still a chance it could it could go forward next year, right? Absolutely, bills that that weren't passed in the Senate are available for consideration next year. It's in the Senate Judiciary Committee and available to be called. All right. So, Chuck, what do you think this says about the way times are changing in the legislature, except that it didn't get through the Senate this time. Well, I think that certainly from my background as a prosecutor, I'm familiar with certain crimes are not just crimes against the individual who's targeted, but it's to send a broad message to try to scare folks all across society. And those crimes need to be treated appropriately within the law. And I think that there's a greater understanding and appreciation that this bill is not to in any way stop speech or, or thought it's not anti-First Amendment whatsoever. It's We're talking about criminals, as you pointed out, Bill, that have already been found guilty. Only then would the jury then consider whether it should be classified as a hate crime in a second proceeding. It's what we call a bifurcated trial. And so we're not in any way changing due process. This is just an important message to send. Georgia's one of five states that doesn't have a hate crimes law, and we need to have one. Todd, uh, uh, Greg referred to it, but I think it's worth focusing on a, a little bit. The issue in this legislature for a number of years, and I've pointed out that uh, I, I, when I was taking a break from the, the world of journalism and working at the Anti-Defamation League, we, for three years in a row, tried to pass a hate crimes bill here. And the problem was always members who said, we would support a hate crimes bill uh, as long as it doesn't include the LGBTQ community because there are legislators here who have not wanted to codify that in law. I, I think that, uh, though I was thinking of this when our representative administration was given his answer, I think the fact that this has gotten more uh, momentum this year than it has in the past says a lot about our society where we are seeing more hate crimes or hearing more about them. I think one of the other changes in our society that makes it a little bit easier for some Republicans is that they're more likely to know somebody who is uh, who is gay, lesbian, transgender, and public about it. And it becomes a different consideration when you think about a friend of yours, a family member, maybe somebody you went to high school with, as being a possible, um, a possible victim of this and, and being the targets of the almost terrorism uh, type of, of impact that hate crime committers are trying to get. 
And to a degree, we saw this after the 2015 Supreme Court ruling legalizing same-sex marriage, while, while judges in other states like Alabama, parts of Tennessee, tried to block gay marriages from going forward. Judges here, by and large, I don't know of any example where judges tried to, tried to do the same in Georgia. So while we've got you here, and we'll watch how that bill moves next session, I assume you're gonna, you've got a lot of work to do. One of the things we should find out before we move on, so the law enforcement community is on your side. For his many years as director of the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, Vernon Keenan was one of the primary supporters of a hate crimes bill, and you still have law enforcement on your side. We have great support from law enforcement and district attorneys across the state. Of course, Director Keenan many years was a great partner as we would work on anti-human trafficking legislation, which I was very proud to work on this year. Also carried important uh, legislation in many other areas, as uh, was discussed in addressing uh, the federal restriction on payments for benefits to those suffering for, with ALS. Yeah. And that has been something that's been very important this year. Also, the uh, business court bill I carried just passed uh, the House right before I walked over here to you. So that's uh, we just gave today. a shout out to, uh, to the ALS measure that we talked about in terms of uh, Todd. Uh, and we didn't know, I didn't know until you sat down, Todd uh, leaned over and said, Efstration carried this bill in the House. So uh, thank you for that. And, and one more question for you, Representative Estration. Um, you also authored the provision that would delay a MARTA referendum um, in Gwinnett County till 2026. I understand that was stripped out of the latest version of the bill. What's the status with that now? Yeah, that provision is no longer in Senate Bill 200. It is day 40. Things come up in, in different bills. But as of right now, that's not part of, of Senate Bill 40. Are you, you know, sorry look, that it's not? You know, look, I am... Uh, I very much believe that when the voters of Gwinnett turn out in a larger turnout number than what we saw in the general primary in 2018, that ought to be respected and, and we ought to give deference to it. But what's important for viewers and listeners to know is that there are still options for transit available in Gwinnett County. The House Bill 930 option is still available. What, what is the House Bill 930 right, option? would allow for a transit splost to be approved by the commission and the voters that would allow the county to contract as it sees fit for tr transit. We here in the General Assembly have a bipartisan support for the concept of transit as long as it works and it's actually going to address traffic congestion, we'll have fiscal accountability, and we'll be ready to adapt as technology advances to address mobility so in the future. it sounds like you're saying it's MARTA that you don't really want in Gwinnett, not transit you don't want in Gwinnett. So actually, no. So the, okay. uh, the what I don't want is for the voters to be ignored. And the specific provision that was rejected by the voters uh, potentially could be called very soon. But under this transit SPLOS bill, there is still availability for contracting even with MARTA. So, and that is not, that is not uh, prohibited with this language we discussed. Will you be fighting to put the 2026 delay back into the bill or is this, is this a dead duck? I think that Senate Bill 200 has some very important components, and so I don't expect to be working on that bill. But I think the concept is something that many legislators understand. We ought to honor and respect the voice of the, the voters when they turn out and, and speak. The context of this politically is pretty interesting yeah. uh, because this was put into the bill by the minority Republican caucus in Gwinnett, you couldn't do it as local legislation because you would have been overruled by the Democrats in your own caucus, so you advance it uh, so that the entire legislature gets to vote on it. And it's contrary to what the Republican chair of Gwinnett County, Charlotte Nash, would like to see. Many interesting facets. We just keep citing to a majority of the voters supported 
our, our position, so, but that's fair. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, All right, before we uh, uh, give you a chance to get back to your work today, give us the highlights of this session for you. It's been an incredibly productive session. So we have passed a budget now with a $3,000 pay raise for teachers. We have passed meaningful anti-human trafficking legislation. For the first time, we have really sent a message to stop human trafficking in a, in a very impressive way this session. We've had uh, an incredible, I think, uh, uh, docket of bills that have passed this year, including transportation, including much of what we've discussed today, school safety, healthcare reform in a, in a meaningful fashion. So I'm very proud of the work that we put forward this session. All right, that sounds like the beginning of a re-election speech. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> Representative of Stration, thank you so much for uh, being with us for uh, Political Rewind today. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for stopping by on a very busy day. Thank you for having me. Um, we're going to, I think, uh, uh, Political Rewind panelist Ed Lindsay is uh, in front of our position. So uh, if we want to get Ed in here, that'll be great uh, as uh, Representative of Stration uh, moves on. Uh, Greg, let's talk, and Todd, Let's talk a little bit about where we think the uh, big, one of the big leftover bills is going. Where is the Hartsfield-Jackson takeover bill headed today? Um, <laughs> that's a great question. That's one of the, the biggest pieces of legislation that's still up in, up in the air, proverbially. Um, and right now, the latest version has it disentangled with, um, basically, the, the, the latest version has separated the Hartsfield takeover part with the Delta fuel tax incentive and the rural transit Wait, part. Put the, those are now separate again. There, you're there's, a, there's at least one of the pieces of legislation moving through has separated those the two less controversial parts with the state takeover part. But remember, in the Senate, they really aren't that amenable to the Delta tax fuel part of it. So uh, it's going to be a really hard uh, negotiating act these last few hours to see if any of those three bills pass. There's broad agreement on the rural transit part from both chambers, but. The Senate really wants the, Senate, the airport takeover, doesn't want the Delta tax fuel incentives. The House wants the Delta tax fuel incentives, doesn't really want the airport takeover. We'll see how this all gets uh, hammered out. So I want to get Ed and Todd to give me their thoughts on this. Is this thing, it, since it became what we've been calling, it's called a Franken-Bill, really, all of them <laughs> shoved together, does this mean in the long run that it's likely, given how complicated it is, that this goes away entirely and Hartsfield-Jackson remains in the city's control at least until next session when they start again? Well, I, didn't, Lindsay? I didn't bring my Ouija board. Did you bring your Ouija board? <laughs> uh, so anything that we say right now is, 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 is purely speculation. My guess is that, though, at the end of the day, uh, they're going to figure out a way to, at the very least, uh, deal with the Delta uh, tax uh, exemption. The fact of the matter is they're the largest employer in this state, uh, and and we want to make sure that they remain in this state. Uh, and so, you know, if I was to give any odds, it'd be slightly better than 50-50 that that would somehow get through. I, I wanted to go back to a question you asked earlier sure. about what the story of, of 2019 yeah. session go is. go ahead, Todd. And I think that, that the fighting over the transportation bills is is part of that story. And it's the story of the two chambers, one of whom has new leadership, uh, Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan. Ha they're at a renewed level of fighting between them that we haven't seen for years. And it's largely Republican leadership in both sides. And, and it's, it's partly a symptom of the fact of having a new governor 
the, the two chambers are feeling each other out and they're also feeling out the, the, the governor. And that's kind of why this is all coming to I, a head today. I, I think that's so right, yeah. what Todd just said. And remember, Governor Deal always had sort of an informal alliance with House Speaker David Ralston. Now you're starting to see Kemp and Duncan ally together, especially on uh, Heartbeat Bill is a perfect example. Both them on the same day came out in support of, a, of the anti-abortion bill hours before Speaker Ralston said on GPB's airwaves that he would let the bill go forward. That was a really good example of how those two have kind of uh, formed, if not an alliance, at least a partnership on some of these major pieces of legislation. Yeah, and it's, it does it's kind of the newbies coming together. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it does feel like Ralston's been more willing to uh, make the government, gov the governor's life a little bit more difficult this session. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like, uh, like Greg said, a, a lot of it is simply just feeling out the new relationships between the three, and it's going to take a while to get those dynamics worked out. Uh, but at the end of the day, there are certain bills of necessity that have to pass, and, and it's going to take all three of them to come together and to realize that. So this reminds me, and I mean, you know, Ed, you're a little bit closer than I, to me, my age, although not so close. <laughs> you know, this I'm reminded me of, this reminded me of the old days when Thomas B. Murphy as House Speaker and Zell Miller as Lieutenant Governor would fight tooth and nail uh, back and forth. And, and in a way, I don't think it's become that uh, 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 acrimonious, but there is more tension than there has been. Yeah, and those were two Democrats back Well, you don't have to days. go back that far, though. You All can right. go back to the, the Glenn Richardson, uh, Sonny Perdue fights. Okay. Uh, and, and I was part of that. I did live through that part. And don't forget, uh, and those are pretty contentious. And Ralston and Lieutenant Governor Cagle fought back and forth, not yeah. not necessarily to the level of Murphy and, and Miller, but they, they there were fights. There was there was some there was some anger there. You know, go but, ahead. But Todd. but I also remember that there are some tricks left in the governor's bag. Um, governor Nathan Deal was was a master of Georgia government, and I, if I recall correctly, he suspended collection of the sales tax. That's at that's at question now. And so there may be additional parts to, the, to this story that get played out differently no matter what happens in this building today. Yeah. Yeah, um, we're going to find out a, a lot of things that took place in about 10 days. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. Unintended consequences. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, Representative Calvin Smyre uh, has just walked into the area. Um, so, Todd Reem, I want to thank you. I want to give uh, uh, Calvin Smyre a seat. And, and Todd, thank you. We look forward to having you back on Political Rewind when we get past this session. And again, um, as difficult as the day is, congratulations on the ALS legislation that really honors your wife. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. We're back live at the Georgia State Capitol. Uh, Ed Lindsay is uh, with us, as you all know, a frequent panelist on our show. Greg Bluestein of the AJC is here. And we've just been joined by the dean of the Georgia Legislature, Representative Calvin Smyre of Columbus, the longest serving member of the How long have you been here, Calvin? Uh, it's my 45th year. 45 years. 45 signed he died. And Bluestein <laughs> loves having you sitting next to him. Oh my gosh. Because he's got questions about uh, what's happening. He's sitting between he and Ed, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's got questions for you okay. about what the heck is happening with the Hartsfield-Jackson, okay. Frankenbill, and all the things that are attached yeah. to and it. And that was basically my question. You're right in the middle of these negotiations on the House side. 
Um, what, what do you think the fate of this bill will be tonight? Uh, just as we are speaking now, uh, we've just introduced a, a, a committee substitute in the Rules Committee. Uh, uh, Chairman Tanner and I have signed, and uh, with, the, uh, with the airport out of it, which means, therefore, we will look at the, um, the, the, the statewide transit bill and the, um, the bill dealing with the uh, uh, Delta uh, fuel tax but without uh, any discussion on airport. I, I, I think that we have given that a thorough uh, look, and uh, I've spent a great deal of time with it, it, the City Hall, as you all know. I've spent a lot of time uh, there with City Council, the, the mayor, and, and uh, Mayor Bottoms and I have talked many, many times about this issue, and, and along with Speaker Ralston. So uh, our situation is this, that uh, we think that the airport is being run and been run uh, appropriately and properly, and at this time, I think we need to give the benefit of the doubt. The, the mayor is putting a lot of, uh, of, of things in place to deal with transparency and, and uh, dealing with the issues of the day. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to continuing I, in that. I, I want to make sure we all heard this because it strikes me you've just made news. You're saying that the conference committee, which means Senate and House co members coming together, have agreed to strip the airport takeover bill from the legislation? No, 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 no. no. I'm not okay. saying that. I'm saying that All right. uh, we're not at conference yet. The, oh, the, first, oh, the okay. House version. The, the House, house the, version. The, the version that we sent the Senate on last week I, had I, all I, three components oh, in it. Right. They had jet fuel, uh, state transit, and airport positions. Okay. Uh, now the bill that we're sending them now has only transit and uh, and, and Delta uh, jet fuel. So the takeover still alive. Uh, well, and you'll let's see hope how not it's alive. Let's, let's well, now the ball's in the Senate's court. That is right. correct. One way or the other, and it still could come back next year. Yes, I mean this, this is a, it's, it's like a ball game here. We got two halves. For, this yeah. is just the first half. All right, so the we'll first watch half of the day okay. today. <laughs> well, thank that, you, and I thank Greg for, for considering that the first half of the day. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this is, this one is is enough to get by tonight. You yeah, know? you're going to be here till midnight tonight. Yeah. There's not yeah. much question about that. Uh, all right, we'll watch how that develops, and thank you for uh, correcting what I thought yeah. I heard. Um, what's been the? What, what do you think about the way this session has unfolded, Calvin? You know, this has been uh, this is my 45th session, and uh, this one is a little different for me because uh, you know, there's no predictability. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that I'm usually able to gauge and to give answers to what 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 may happen next. But I have not been able to do that, uh, this one, because it, there's no predictability. And then the, 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 the issues uh, seem to come from nowhere. And uh, with that in mind, uh, uh, the mere fact that, that we got weighted down on, on a lot of measures that, uh, that have taken uh, over the, the General Assembly, uh, you know, and, and back to the airport, you know, if we'd have had a comprehensive study of House, Senate, and the Governor's Office, then I think people could, could kind of see their way to doing something. But at the same time, uh, it was not that way. It was just a Senate committee uh, studying the airport. And uh, so it's, 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 that's what kind of has bogged us down, issues that no predictability and uh, coming from nowhere. And that's kind of the common theme we've been hearing, not just on the show, but all, all session, is that without you, you had a certain level of predictability after Governor Deal for eight years. Yes. Uh, he had a way of running things. He would shoot down bills he didn't like pretty early. He would let bills he wanted to keep going. Um, we're not seeing that because no. as we're seeing well, these leaders feel each other out. Yeah. A lot of newness. Yeah. Newness. I mean, you know, I, I would love to go back and maybe we'll have a chance to assess this uh, after the session's over and compare the first sessions of governors yeah. over, say, the last yes. 20 years or so. Uh, let's face it, Governor Kemp's had a, a learning curve. 
he stayed out of a lot of legislation that we might have expected a governor in previous sessions to get in on early so that it gives some direction. Is that a fair comment? I think that's a fair comment. Uh, you have a new lieutenant governor, new governor, and with that in mind, you got very fertile political ground. And uh, uh, when you have that, uh, it's almost like that three-legged stool. I mean, you need each leg for the stool to stand. All right. And uh, so that's where we are. Uh, Senator Nakima Williams has hey. just uh, joined you. She is not only uh, here as a senator, but... We're going to see a lot more of you when the session ends in your new role. Congratulations as chair of the Georgia Democratic Party. We're ready to pick up some seats around here. (laughs) Well, there's the question. Uh, We have two Democrats with us now. We thank Ed Lindsay for uh, surrendering a seat to a Democrat. Um, Thank you, Ed. So, Senator, we're obviously one of the things that Democrats are talking a lot about this week is how we're going to take 481 and run with it to pick up Democratic seats in the legislature next in 2020. Talk about how potent a weapon you imagine that could be for the Democrats. So Bill, what we saw in November is women showed up in force to vote for Democratic candidates up and down the ballot. That's how we flipped 12 legislative districts. And when we understand that democracy does not start and stop on election day, the halls have been full. You can look around today and people are everywhere still watching. 481 is a done deal in the House and the Senate, but we continue to move on and people are here because we're watching and we want to make sure that people understand you might not have listened to us when you were voting on the floor, but the polls, we will show up and we'll make sure that we're listened to one way or another. Melita Easters, who is, of course, the head of the Georgia Win List, uh, who's a panelist on the show uh, occasionally, she's talking, uh, Calvin, about being out there recruiting like crazy now. Her specific mission, of course, is to recruit Democratic pro-choice women, and she's r- running around looking for... Well, I agree with Senator Williams, uh, and, 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 of course, Madam Chair, uh, as chair of the Democratic Party of Georgia, I think this session has given many opportunities, and, and uh, as, as we as we turn the corner on on, on, on 2020, and uh, and uh, I think uh, I think the ground is fertile out there. There's there's an uncertainty, and uh, on the political horizon, and uh, and as the chair gets ready for uh, the next session, and in the political season, I think all things are going to be in play. We've had more than 100 candidates already sign up just to run for office in response to HB 481. Over 100 candidates across the state, not just in Metro Atlanta. So at the same time, the the proponents of 481 believe, Greg, that they are going to be able to go out and really uh, uh, get their supporters fired up to thank the legislators who supported this measure, make sure they get reelected. It's going to be interesting to see this ground battle back and forth. That'll energize their, their home bases that, that Brian Kemp uh, as governor follow through on, a, on a, one of his core campaign promises. A lot of those supporters might not be in the competitive metro Atlanta districts, yeah. though, that Senator Williams and other Democrats will be targeting. And, that, and that's where the rubber will meet the road. So, Senator, what to you have been the highlights of this session? I mean, 481 has just sort of dominated the landscape uh, for, for recent weeks. But what, what, how would you uh, sum up what this session has meant to you? Um, This session has shown us how much it means to show up and vote. Elections have consequences. Our governor showed it, told us exactly who he was when he was running for office, and people should believe people. When When someone shows you who they are, believe them. And he campaigned on these issues, and so we shouldn't be surprised that they're now being forced down our throats in the legislature and going to be 
signed into law. So we need to make sure that we are showing up and voicing our concerns at the ballot box. But this whole session has been a continuation of everything that we heard on the campaign trail. Calvin, your highlights of this session or what your overall sense, uh, you, you've sort of given us that, but, but let me ask you to sum it up. When I, when I came to this legislature, my number one objective was to make sure that the state does not take over the Atlanta airport, Hartsville-Jackson. To me, that has so much implications. And, 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 and having served with seven mayors and having been involved in this legislative process, I thought that was such an overreach. And I think government sometimes just does too much of an overreach. And uh, with that in mind, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that where we are now, you don't know what until 12 o'clock. <laughs> so I, I, I work. <laughs> no. The verdict is still out. <laughs> I, 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 I just go to, to, to the bell ring. So that's the, to me, that is the, the, that's the key. And then the statewide transit bill is important to me. And then lastly, and people don't understand this, but Delta Airlines. Delta is one of our best corporate citizens. The largest citizen, private employer in, in, in the state of Georgia. I mean, I saw Georgia give away the banking industry to Charlotte. Mm. Don't give away Delta Airlines to another region. Yeah, yeah. We and, if, and, 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 and we lost the banking industry to Charlotte because we, had, we, we were around here do, doing bad public policy in the 80s. Yeah, I, you know, I've said on this show, Greg, I think you've been on, when I, that uh, the last thing I f feel my role is to be is to uh, promote corporate Georgia. Uh, at the same time, if you're Delta, you got to wonder what the heck is going on in this legislature, which over the last couple of years has really, really uh, given you a hard time. And trust me, their lobbyists have been asking that very same question in the halls. <laughs> and what it might not result in is there, there not, not be a corporate relocation, but if their Delta is adding flights, they might not add them to Atlanta. They might add them to another hub instead. There could be sort of financial repercussions, employee repercussions, if if Georgia doesn't go through with this, with this tax break. We continuously out that we're the number one state to do business so we need to make sure that we're producing a business friendly environment and the way that we're treating our largest private employer in the state and the way that we're treating the film industry around HB 481 it surely doesn't look like we're open for business here in Georgia. All right we're kind of we're really close to running out of time but here's the question about that. Um, it's not in this, the house I don't think am I right? The house has been okay with the Delta tax break. Republicans in the house. It's in the Senate. What? Why, why is there such a strange difference between the House and the Senate on this, Calvin? I'm in the House. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Senator Williams, why is there such a stark difference? Well, I I mean, I'm hearing that a number of things have been added on to this, so I don't know what y'all sent us back over, <laughs> Chairman. Right, so <laughs> you're expecting a conference committee to start at some point this afternoon if, now that if, you've if, got a if, House if this agreement. Is a major, this is going to be the, one of the major last things we'll see to, tonight. If the Senate will just disagree with the House position, and let's have some dialogue, then I think we go into conference. I think I have my marching orders. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And remember, it was the Senate where the revolt against Delta began last year with the NRA snub. Right. And remember, too, Governor Kemp is come out in favor of this, and this is an administration bill. I'm talking about the tax, the tax break. So his role these last few hours is very important, too. All right. We are completely out of time for today's show. Uh, Senator Williams, thank you so much. Uh, we'll look forward to inviting you to be on yes. Rewind when the session is over. Calvin Smyrie, well, I'm, I'm here. I've watched you for an awfully long time back where. Thank you for taking some thank time my to pleasure. join us. Greg Bluestein, you're going to be back with us tomorrow on the show, which I'm thrilled we can talk about all of this. Bring In the meantime, coffee. that is it for Political Rewind. By the way, I want to point out, you heard Senator Jen Jordan uh, earlier in the show, and you've heard any number of our folks on the show today talk about 481. We did invite 
uh, Ed Setzler, who was the sponsor of that bill, to come over. I, there's a lot happening. He may not have been able to get over here, but I just want you to know we were here to give him an opportunity to say he's, his piece about this. We'll be back with Political Rewind at 2 o'clock uh, tomorrow, Friday. Your former mayor, Teresa Tomlinson, is going to be welcome. one of the guests All on right, the show. Yeah. All right. That's it for us. We'll be back tomorrow at 2.